We in the modern age operate under a dangerous misconception regarding our heritage. If one should ask the average citizen whether or not they believe humans are more highly evolved than our ancient ancestors, they will more often than not express the belief that we are indeed far, far superior. Surely we are more sophisticated and capable of reason than the hunter-gatherers of 13,000 BC. More civilized than the marauding Vikings of a thousand years ago. We imagine these peoples as ignorant, primitive, and barbaric. We are not those peoples. In fact, <coughs> in fact, Homo sapiens, modern humans, share an inherited gene pool with the earliest hominids, like the Austral Australis Australopithecus. Greetings, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Project Archivist. Hi. <sighs> so, our guest tonight, Timothy Renner. Timothy Renner is here to talk about his book, which I just dropped on the floor. Bigfoot uh, in Pennsylvania. Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. This is a, uh, a book about news articles from the 18 to early 1900s that deal specifically with people having Bigfoot sightings. But the catch is they weren't calling them Bigfoot back then. Nope. They were referred to as uh, gorillas, hairy hominids, wild men, uh, wild children, and a whole host of other strange and really bizarre stories. So that's well, what the name Bigfoot wasn't coined until Jerry Crew in 1958. Correct. So, so what Timothy has done is gone through and assembled all of these stories and put them into this book. And it's it's I mentioned this in the show. It's it's kind of a dry read um, if you're looking to pick it up as a book to go all the way through. But if you are a Bigfoot enthusiast or a Bigfoot completist, I highly re picking, recommend picking it up. So now that we've babbled on for so long, we're just going to jump right into the interview with Timothy. And uh, I will say this. I've said it many times in this interview, and I'll say it one more time before we jump into it. Go find his podcast, Strange Familiars. We'll talk about it a little bit more during the show, and we will see you guys at the other side. Bye-bye. All right, so with us tonight, we have Timothy Renner, and he's here to talk about his book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. Uh, Timothy, I am a huge fanboy of your show, and your show is Strange Familiars. Um, I was introduced to you through Soraya, and I heard you on there, and then I became a big fan of your show. So before we jump into the book, I want you to tell us about your podcast uh, to give everybody a feel and a flavor of, of where your background is and what you do. All right. Um, well, the podcast came out of the books, really. I, I, and I took my ideas to, to other podcasts and first. Like I wanted, wanted to do kind of what I did with Strange Familiars uh, on some other podcasts. And uh, they were some were interested, some, some you know never got back to me, but... I know now that I do a podcast, not to take offense to that, because I, I know how much work goes on behind the scenes. So uh, those folks who I contacted before, I completely understand it now. When you know, if they said like, "Yeah, maybe we'll we'll do that down the line or something," I completely get it because I I know exactly how much work goes on. But uh, what I try to do with Strange Familiars is is tell stories for the most part. Um, it covers you know mostly paranormal stuff and sometimes some weird history stuff. And we like to throw in uh, 
old newspaper articles and witness reports and all, you know, if it's talking about something uh, somewhat local and I can get there, we try to do on-site recordings and so forth. So it's, um, it's try to do kind of a paranormal serial is the way I, I kind of pitched it in the start. I get this. I've never seen what you look like or anything like that. When I listen to your show, for one, I really like the style of it. You've got like this folkiness to it. Uh, you do cover primarily Pennsylvania folklore, but you've been branching out into different aspects and different things of it here and there. Um, and I, I really dig it. I really like the way you do it. I like the feel of it. Now, I've never okay. seen what you look like, but I get this impression. I always get this image of you like being this wizardly kind of sage guy with a beard pouring over tomes with candles burning or something like that. I get this. That's fairly um, accurate. <laughs> I get a very druidic feel from you, you know. I don't want to say I don't want to say Wiccan because that's almost kind of an insult to some people, but it, that's just the vibe that I get from listening to your show, and it, it's very cool. Um, it's there's a lot of elements and things that you do that Lobo and myself have wanted to do, but for for whatever reason, because of our style and the way we do things, it just never, doesn't seem to work that way to go in that direction. So when I listen to your show. I'm very into folklore and I'm very into the, uh, like recently you had Cutchin on the show and you guys sure. were talking about fae folklore and iron and things like that, you know, stuff like that. I really gravitate to, I really like, um, actually to do off a side shoot real quick. Recently, me and my wife were on vacation up in Northern Michigan and, uh, we were in this, they had, there was this castle up there that they had reconditioned and remodeled and they have weddings and stuff there. It was really cool, but we're in this blacksmith part of it. And they had a forge there. And I remembered your show and I started going off about how, you know, forges could be used in places of uh, of churches and blacksmiths could be used in place of, of uh, holy men for conducting weddings and stuff like that if need be. And she was like, why are you full of why would I don't I don't care about this stuff, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> blah, 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 because it sticks with me because and that's what I like about your show. I learned that stuff and that kind of stuff sticks with me. So I really enjoy what you do. And uh, we'll let you give a shout out to where it's at and stuff. But if people are listening, I really strongly recommend going and finding Strange Familiars. Uh, you do all the music on that show as well, too, correct? Yeah. And and there's a that's beyond ego. Um, that's because of YouTube's very strict policies on, on using music. So if you want to use music, uh, you either have to use their canned music or you have to get express permission from the artist, which still doesn't always work. Or, you correct. have you know, I, in my case, I have my own music. So no brainer there. I have. 20 plus years of recordings. Yeah, that's why we don't have a YouTube channel the way we should. <laughs> so anyways, um, you are author, uh, also an author. Now, this book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, we keep going back to Pennsylvania. You probably have the weirdest state in the Union. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know. We've probably done three shows on Pennsylvania within the last year. Yours will be number three. This book... Describe it. <laughs> I have to have you describe it. There's really no other way to do it. Well, uh, it, it kind of came out of my, my first book where I, I my first book dealt with three counties in, in Pennsylvania, the county I live in and, and uh, one on the east and one on the west of me. And I found so many of these reports. Uh, um, it, it was really a surprise how many Bigfoot reports I found. So I wanted to I thought, well, maybe I'll do more with that. And uh, I was actually in talks to write a book of encounters for a very popular Sasquatch podcast um, 
And for one reason or another, it, it just it didn't happen. And I, I really like encounters. That's in regards to the Bigfoot thing. That's really where I, what I love hearing. I love hearing encounters. I think it's probably our best evidence. Um, footprints are great. Uh, blurry photos are great. But but witness uh, accounts is, is really where we get our our evidence of of how the creatures act and how they behave and so forth. So. Given the state of uh, the Bigfoot community at this time, a lot of these organizations are not sharing their reports for one reason or another. Uh, my theory is a lot of them think they're going to get, you know, they're going to be the next finding Bigfoot or, or whatever. So it's turning into share. ufology is what's happening. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So they, they're not sharing the reports. So what I could do is go back and get the old reports. So I, I started looking at, my intention was probably just to do one book for the entire country, but I found so many reports for Pennsylvania, it became clear pretty quickly, about a month into it, that I was going to have enough to do a book just of, of these old reports from Pennsylvania. So these reports are from what time period to what time period? 1838 until 1922, and that's when public domain ends. So beyond that, uh, I'd have to get a lawyer and and you know, search uh, through these old newspaper archives and see which reports were, were still public domain and which weren't. And, it, it, you know, th it becomes uh, a massive headache. But I'm safe reprinting these reports up till 1922. Now, back then, the term Bigfoot wasn't used, correct? Right. It's, Bigfoot comes into use. It really, it starts in the late 50s, but it really doesn't become common, like a household term until the 70s with in search of and stuff like that. Okay. So what we have here is your state has an inordinate amount of renegade wild gorillas, wild men, and um, what's another one that's commonly cited throughout this whole book? That's, those are the two things. Uh, yeah, wild men, uh, gorillas, sometimes the, the you know hairy giants or, or the various, but the wild men and gorillas are the biggest. That's, that's the most, uh, most often terms. And... Wild men tends to be in effect until right around 1900. It's not a hard and fast rule. You find some wild man reports after 1900, and you find some gorilla reports before 1900. But right around there, it, they change. And my belief on that is um, in the 1800s, people didn't really know what gorillas were. The, the mountain gorilla hadn't been discovered by, you know, by, by Westerners until, I mean, it was considered a myth until really the, the late 1800s. Even when it was discovered, most people didn't know what a gorilla was until they started printing pictures in newspapers and the very, very few circuses that, that had them, uh, you know, started traveling the country and people might get to see one. And now, so as this term uh, gorilla, people start having a name to call these things. You know, before that, they see something upright and covered with hair because, oh, it's a wild man. Because they, uh, that was kind of the theory back in the time, even post-Darwin. They had this idea that if you just kind of walked away from society and went out into the woods, you'd grow hair all over your body. Like, so basically, human beings become now, wild boars. Before the discovery, yeah, yeah. They, 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 <laughs> you know, you leave society, you grow hair all over your body. I, you know, um, so it became, uh, you know, the gorilla becomes, you know, common knowledge, and then people actually have something to call it other than a wild man. They say, "Oh, okay, I saw a big gorilla." And that, that does happen right around 1900, the reports shift, and you, get, you start getting gorilla reports. So at what point do they actually start being called Bigfoot? Because 
th- th- was there a drastic change from the point from when it become, was gorilla, wild man, uh, wild woman, lunatic? Um, at what point do they actually start calling these things Bigfoot then? Well, that was a term that was coined in California, I think, by Jerry Crew, somebody who's a little more trained body than me about that time period is going to correct me on that. Um, it, around that uh, construction site, they were finding footprints in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, coin, a term coined by a fellow there. And then it, it kind of caught on gradually, I think, from that time. Uh, so before 19, you know, the late 1950s, no one even, you know, they wouldn't even have thought to call it Bigfoot. So Indian folklore didn't play play a part in any of this either, or was it just one of those you know back then people didn't pay attention to that kind of stuff? Uh, there is some, and and if you dig enough, uh, but you got to figure, you know, people were rolling into Pennsylvania quite early, and uh, you, you know, sadly, most of the the uh, First Nations population had been run out. You know, yeah. Uh, well, they, they probably weren't talking very much at that point either, because most, from what I understand, Native Americans don't, even to this day, don't want to talk about their legends and stuff, because it's really all that they have left. That's the one thing that they really want to hold on to. So if you can, you the stuff that we do have, uh, Native American story-wise and stuff, it's, you know, it's 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 hard to get anything more out of them, you know, to go talk to them. Well, hey, yeah. You know, well, tell me about Sasquatch, you know, stuff like that. They there's this tendency to want to hold on to what they have because it is all that they have, you know, and even that I believe is starting to fade even amongst their own tribes. So, yeah. And, and, and you do get, you know, pieces and parts. And, and I think it depends on the individual. Some people will talk and some people don't. It's a, it's kind of a weird topic to bridge, you know, take even race out of it, take culture out of it. It's just odd, you know, going up to anybody and saying, you know, Hey, you ever seen a big hairy monster in the woods? You know, <laughs> people get a little uh, weirded out by it. You know, no matter what other factors you add in there. But I think mainly it just that folklore had been lost um, just because there weren't a lot of of uh, Native American tribes, you know, in Pennsylvania by this point. Mm-hmm. How much of an impact do you think, like the Pennsylvania Dutch, had on this? Which were actually German people, not Dutch, but still, because <laughs> right. I mean, when these when the, when you had a lot of these immigrants coming over from other countries and things like that, they brought their folklore with them, and I don't see a lot of that kind of stuff mentioned in here. Um, a lot of what I see in here is pretty much your it's it's as you said it's it's pretty much wild men, gorillas, and you know small strange hairy hominids of some kind or another. So did did you? Oh run into a lot of stories of, of like, you know, stories being brought over from other countries to say, oh, that's what that is, or anything like that? There's a ton of German-language newspapers throughout Pennsylvania, and I do not read German. Mm-hmm. So it, it kills me, the amount of stories I probably missed because I, I couldn't read the German papers. I have a feeling that there's a lot more. They, they uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch called it the hairy man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, they come from a pretty heavy werewolf culture um from you know in europe that so there's quite a few werewolf reports as well and i'm thinking that might be uh some of these you know wild men or 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 bigfoot creatures may have been reported as werewolves because again if you see something man-like covered in hair and your culture is you know as a culture that had these werewolf uh this werewolf folklore you might just call it a werewolf and there are uh, a lot, quite a few werewolf reports, which I'm saving for another book. Okay, I was that was where I was going next. I was like, okay, well, if you've got all these, then 
where are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, there's enough to separate out and and do a, a really good book on uh, on the werewolf phenomenon in Pennsylvania. So that's you, uh, uh, down the line. You do bring up puckwudgies in here, though, correct? Or puckwudgie like familiar, you know, puckwudgie ish stories. Or no? Yeah, well, I, I think it's the same thing we're talking about. Um, they call it puckwudgies in uh, New England, and down here we call it the Alpatwitch. But it's a you know a small hair covered kind of a slight build thing uh, that's known to whistle and and so forth. So it's, it's it has seems to have a, a lot of the same attributes. We're probably talking about the same thing. Yeah, but you do have a lot, of, um, a lot of reports in here of people encounter these things and they're trying to, like, communicate with them back and forth by whistling. And, as yeah. you know, then you've got the other story in here. There's one where they run across a creature where it says, ooh, ooh, and, and wee, wee, or, God, or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, it's just, ooh, ooh, and mag, mag. That's it, mag, yeah. mag. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get this vision in my head of a conversation of, like, ooh, ooh, mag, mag. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I know it's, it's in the woods. Yeah, something like that, you know. Um the ooh mag mag wing, what was that all about? Um my guess is they were it was just a a, a creature making those noises and because it was a man like thing, they were trying to uh ascribe language to it, which it may or may not have been. Um the article I think goes on to say or there's a follow up article on I forget if it's in the same article or not, but that talks about um, any Margaret's or, or Maggie's in the area missing their man. You know, he, he, it seems like he's calling out for you. There is a, quite a few humor stories in here like that. I, how much of this stuff do you think is just sensationalist journalism? Or since one paper ran an article, another one's trying to run an article to outdo the other newspaper to sell newspapers. Do you, do you think a lot of yeah, that is going on here? There's probably some of that. Um but you know we're so far away from from any, it's not like I could bring up the reporter and and ask him or you know any, anything like that. So when I went through and, and I like to tell people that there probably are a few stories in here which refer to to just either feral humans or or, or some sort of homeless person or or maybe a, a person with mental problems. But I really tried to weed those out for every one story that I found that, that I felt like could have been a, a Bigfoot creature, I threw out easily 20 reports that that's, it was a wild man. But for one reason or another, it, it you know, it ended up definitely be a human. Either they, they, they ended up speaking to him or they gave their name or they took him to a poorhouse. You, you know, they, one indication or another would indicate that it was, you know, most certainly a human. So I didn't just, like, do a search on wild man and just throw everything I found in the book. I really did try to just include the stories that, that were either very strange. Some of them, you know, probably don't refer to Bigfoot creatures, but they're very strange. They have these just these weird elements. That I thought, well, you know, that, that's going to be interesting to people. And I think, you know, the most of them by far, I think, do refer to to Bigfoot creatures either by, you know, behavior or description of uh, a visual description. You do have a pretty crazy one here. It's on page 43, and it talks about a two-headed girl um that's roughly 13 years old and is supposed to be pretty musically um you know musically prone or something along those lines um yeah what is up with that because that's not that's just so off the wall like how does... I, I think it mentions a wild man later in the article it, that was an example of these papers would try to debunk each other and they yeah. go back and forth 
And I think that was an example of one paper saying like, okay, this guy's reporting a wild man, but you know, look, he's also found supposedly found a two headed girl and this and that. So they would, if one paper reported something, you know, that was sensational, I think the other papers really took it upon themselves to like, all right, let's jump on and, and disprove this. And if you read that series of articles that they, as it goes on, they, they say, oh, you know, this settles it. We've proved that, you know, it wasn't a wild man. It was just uh, this this fellow who grew a beard or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if after they've supposedly solved it, there's more sightings in the same area. So, you know, they, they, they didn't really solve it. They just, the newspaper claimed, like, okay, we solved it. You know, this is it. How much of this stuff do you believe? Okay, like, you have situations like what's going on in Chicago right now with the reappearance of the Mothman. And then mm-hmm. one person sees it, and then somebody else sees it, and then somebody else sees it, and then somebody else sees it, much like the original Mothman phenomena. Or you have these phenomena, like the clown situation we had last year with the big clown flap. Do you right. think, how much of this stuff do you think was just like, oh, yeah, I saw it too, or I saw it too. Well, you know, well, yeah, I saw it. It was it was running through my backyard here, and, you know, it had wings and stuff like that, where people are just... You know, how much of the stuff do you believe that people are just exaggerating onto to get their names in the paper or something like that? Do you think there was a lot of that? I mean, I ask these questions. I know this sounds weird me asking this, but you've just got so many of these in this book. It was like, I mean, some of these you've got like three to a page (laughs) in this book. It's a decent sized book. So I'm thinking how much of this stuff is actually people seeing this stuff or how much of it, how much of it sensationalism? I mean, surely, surely all of these reports can't be true or your state would just be overrun by gorillas and wild men. I mean, that's the vision I get. Like you're just walking down the road and there's, you know, it's like a super superheroes in a superhero movie. They're just everywhere, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there could have been some of that. Um, my, a lot of what I do as far as my commentary in the book is I, I compare the behaviors to modern witness accounts. Mm hmm. So, for instance, there's accounts of the things peeking in windows. Well, that's something you hear again and again in, in modern accounts. So to me, that lends some credibility to it. So this is this is coming from the 1800s. Someone talking about one of these creatures peeking in their window. They haven't listened to 500 Bigfoot podcasts. They don't, you know, they don't know. They have no uh, reference for these creatures. So if they're talking about it throwing stones or or attacking their dogs, this behavior that we see again and again. But this is coming from, you know, over 100 years ago where, where it would, couldn't have been well known. They couldn't have heard a radio show or seen a TV show where it talks about this stuff. So a lot of what convinced me is that, is that they're reporting these behaviors that these, these modern witnesses are also reporting. That said, I'm sure if there was a, a big, like the, towards the end of the book, um, there's a big gorilla flap that goes from, through like the early 1920s. And you can pretty much, if you look at the the reports and you look at a map, you can kind of trace the movement of this creature, or, or it was probably a group of creatures across the state, um, well, through the middle of the state, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, from report to report to report, so that to me again, that lends some like, well, it seems like they were moving, and, and people were seeing them here, and then they were seeing them. You know, they, it starts in the middle of the state, it kind of goes west a little bit, then drops down to Gettysburg. And the last report in the book is a report from Maryland. Um, so it looks like, you know, if it's the same thing, it, it, it you know, crossed into Maryland. So but let me ask you this then. Um, it sounds like 
because you've got these in chronological chronological order for the most part. So in investigating these stories, it sounds like you were able to look at a map and say, okay, at this time period from here to here, there was a large reporting here, and then slowly they migrate down to here, and then slowly the reports go over to here, and then they go over to here. So I don't know how else to ask this. Were you seeing migratory patterns in relation to the stories that you were finding? Not through most of the book. It really was just that that last kind of flap in the. Is, I think it's 1921 and 1922 um, of these, the, and they're they're called guerrillas consistently in these reports. And again, it starts in in the middle of the state. And for that one, you can kind of follow it. You can follow it, you know, from place to place almost, and 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 kind of get an idea uh, if it's. Either there was an army of them, or it was you know a, a small group maybe moving through the state. It's you know it's, it's really this phenomenon is so weird. It's so strange to talk about because I I can't believe myself that there's um, an undiscovered ape in the woods. Honestly, but I believe <laughs> absolutely people are seeing something. And what it is, you know, I just I don't have a really kind of sexy answer for people when they say like, well, what do you think it is? I don't know. I believe people are seeing something. I, I really don't know what it is. I don't think it acts like a natural animal, whatever, whatever it is. But uh, beyond that, I, I don't have a lot of great answers. I, I love it. I'm super interested in it. And uh, I'll, I'll probably spend my life, you know, just researching it and so forth. But well, that uh, takes care of the part of the show where I usually ask the guests what their actual beliefs are. And it, you pretty much clarified that. Um, do you think along the lines that this is something like this? There's there's the school of thought that Bigfoot is an actual physical entity. There is the school of thought that this is some kind of a uh, actual living creature that is just here that we don't encounter. And then you've got the other school of thought, which is usually just so far out there that intertwines with UFOs and things like that. So in your opinion of Bigfootery, if that is a word, sure it is. I just made it up. Um you know, in your opinion, what do you think Bigfoot actually is? Or do you just, you know, even though you say, yeah, it's, it's something's happening, I don't know what it is. Do you perceive Bigfoot as being some kind of a spiritual entity that just pops in and out when it wants to? Or do you think it's a physical creature? There is no I wrong answer to that I think it's physical either. sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's physical sometimes, at least. I mean, and there, there, are, there are, I know there's Bigfoot people tearing their hair out and yelling at the, the speakers right now. Uh, but I just I, I, I just wrote a, an article for a, a, a Bigfoot journal that it, it's a series that uh, is going to and it deals with an, an eight square mile area in southern York County, which is the county I live in, which I have uh, just this massive amount of reports from the late 1800s through uh, 2014, I believe. So very recently, just report after report after report. And I, if they're migrating through there, the reports come from all times of year. They come from winter, summer, fall, spring. So I don't understand how that's working. If they're living in there, there cannot be enough. There's not enough room for a breeding population to live down there. It's an eight-square-mile area. I can't see how it, it – you know, so it's coming into that area, and it, it just doesn't work. There's no way it works. The same areas had footprints that go up into the middle of the field and just stop, so they just – you know, they go right to the middle of the field and then they, they stop. So the uh, the ape in the woods folks say they, they turn around and walk in their own footprints, but that would kind of mess up the footprints, I would think. It'd be really hard to uh, yeah. to have a clean footprint and do that. So you have to have this image of this, you know, eight-foot-tall 
ape man tiptoeing backwards through his own footprints just to, you know in case some human might see them i it's really really weird um and people will jump right to say well you think it's a dimensional thing it's coming in from dimension i don't know i i think it's possible maybe um and i my gut says it's something to do with quantum physics that we don't understand and I don't believe that these creatures have like a box with buttons on it that they're pushing that allows them to jump through dimensions or anything like that. I don't believe they're riding in UFOs. I think it's probably something that they can do that's very instinctive. And uh, I mean, we just don't understand it for one reason or another. And that's just a guess. And uh, please, someone prove me wrong. Bring a body in. I'll be so happy. It's so much easier. Yeah, I'm one of the. I'm in this, the camp of we need some kind of physical body. I'm not necessarily saying we should kill the creature, um, but you know, there's people that well, you can't. You know, I, I think we just recently had the argument with somebody on the show where they said, well, if these are related to human beings, we can't just kill one because we'd be killing off a human. Then I'm like, well, we could tranquilize one. You know, we yeah, could. We don't ever kill humans. No, absolutely not. Sure. No, no. Um, especially yeah. in Detroit. <laughs> I. I I don't get too crazy about that because I, I don't think we're ever going to get that definite proof. I, I just don't think it's forthcoming. The, whatever these things are, they live by us. Um, if you believe the, the folklore, forever in in pretty much every culture, uh, they have a version of a big hairy thing that lives in the woods besides pe- beside people. Um, we've never caught one yet. Um, they, it doesn't seem like we're gonna we're gonna get one anytime soon. I don't I don't worry about people shooting them. I don't think it's there's. I mean, there's plenty of stories and there's stories in my book about people shooting them, but they never seem to drop them. Yeah, uh, I was gonna bring that up. You've got a story in here. A uh, strange monster dodges bullets. Where this group of people basically they think they chase one into a cave or they think that there's one in a cave so they're going through this cave just randomly shooting into it and they're actually bringing the cave down on top of them as they go through this abandoned mine i believe Mm -hmm. um uh say the only wild animal there is a chipmunk search party sees the animal terror in swatara i can't pronounce that uh swatara okay and it goes into uh talking about how um Several shots were fired, but all were without effect. Members of this party described the creature as an animal weighing between 200 and 300 pounds, light in color, and having sandy, a sandy head. Uh, Mr. Malfair, uh, a reputable citizen, asserts that he has seen the mysterious visitor running about in Mr. Rapp's meadow between, the, between Swarda and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, Quadrufala? Quadrophenia. Sure, we'll call it the who. Um, <laughs> at one farm from the vicinity, the heads of 23 chickens were found. Some lay the slaughter of the beast, and others say that it would not take the bodies and leave the heads. Others claim that they have watched the cave in Swatara and have seen nothing in the shape of the animal in the vicinity except chipmunks. Um, do you have a lot of stories that you've come across where there's animal mutilations attributed to these things? Sure. Yeah. Dogs, chickens. Uh, one of the stories in the book, I think it says that the, the, the chicken count was up to 500 at some point. I don't think at one time. I think it was attacking different chicken farms. And they named it um, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so dogs get attacked. Uh, uh, pigs get carried away. Um, there's some sheep in the book that that uh, that are attacked and, and they find. I mean, it. And again, this is a pattern you see in, in a lot of modern sightings as well. And again, you had situations where people were shooting at these things and it was just having no effect on it? 
Yeah, there's some where, where the people said they, they just shot it and it's like it didn't even take notice of it. There's another where a kid shoots it and drops the, the uh, what they're calling the gorilla and it, it gets up and runs away and he and his father tracked it by, by its blood but never found it and it ended up coming back to his farm I think a week later. It's a really interesting article. It's one of my favorite in the book. Comes back a week later and, and uh, attacks the kid. Oh, um, you have one in here, I believe. Um, actually, let me diverge from this a little bit. Um, unless Lobo, did you want to throw something in here, Lobo? Because I'm pretty much just jabbering away at, at a million miles an hour. Well, I had a question about the center of your book. Um, there's a section, uh, strange monster scares citizens, and it was in Darby, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, uh, from what I gather, it was in the early 1900s, not into the teens yet. And the description of it is baboon. And yeah. I, that struck me because baboons have a muzzle, whereas the gorillas have a flattened face. Mm-hmm. And it struck me as odd that people that had only probably ever seen baboons in, like, um, I would imagine circuses, traveling circuses, would have a description of a baboon. Yeah, and, and I don't know how... I, they, I mean, they use gorilla to describe chimpanzees. They use monkeys to describe gorillas back then. It's, I don't know how literal they meant baboon by it, but um, if it did have a muzzle, I mean, there, I, again, not to beat this drum, but there, there are modern reports of, of Bigfoot creatures with, with uh, baboon-like muzzles as well. Dogmen. Uh, there seem to be, this is getting so train spotty, but there seems to be, uh, dog men seem to have the dog like ears on top and while mm-hmm. these, these Bigfoot with the muzzle do not, and they don't have the, the hocked hind legs like, like dogs okay. they have more, you know, like a, a, a more primate type leg. Um, if you're to believe the witnesses. Sure. I mean, there's no reason why not to, I mean, these people are the, the majority of the people are pretty, you know, salt of the earth kind of people that are making these claims. They're not, you know lunatics that are running around you know no, those are the ones that are in the woods <laughs> very true but i mean they're not they're people that have been in the area for quite some time they're they're familiar with the native fauna they're familiar with the the uh any of the animals that they may be trapping or tracking so for them to come up and just i mean i'm, I'm gonna assume and that's probably a big assumption on my part but these people do know what a bear looks like they're a bear in the area so for them to specifically state that it is, you know, primate in nature, it, it, it intrigues me. Because they yeah. could have just simply said, well, you know, it was a man bear pig that I saw. Right, right. And then, the, you know, there's different cases where they've clearly seen a woman. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the description, they're, they're not saying, well, you know, it may have been. They're clearly stating that it, it was a wild woman. So I'm assuming that it was naked or at least breasts were being, you know, able to be seen. Or maybe right. they were just small in stature and they were just assuming that it was a female. But it's, it's yeah. intriguing that it's, it, it was, there'd be a flap and then it would be a little while and there'd be another flap. And, it, and like you said before, it may, may be migratory. It may be, you know, they hang out in certain areas during the year. But it, it's, it's. As years go by, I have more and more thoughts about this. I was just speaking to someone at a party I was at, and he's a hunter. And he's like, don't you think we would have found a primate by now? I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. We're pretty dumb when it comes to being in the woods sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that, and again, that's I'm, I'm perfectly willing to accept that in 
especially in the Northwest. And I did a, another interview recently, and they mentioned that uh, the reports get seem to get stranger the further east you get. So it seems like uh, when these reports in the Northwest, they, they seem very, very ape-like or very, uh, you know, primate-like. Um, and then as you move further east, you get stranger and stranger things with them. We get a lot of, uh, at least in modern reports, and it, it was probably happening back then too, but they just didn't didn't note it or, or maybe uh, it was in a different article that I didn't pick up. And in Pennsylvania, you get tons of, of mystery lights, whether will-o'-wisps or uh, UFOs or whatever, in conjunction with Bigfoot sightings. You mm-hmm. get these weird, other weird phenomena just kind of tied right to it. Um, so it seems like the further east you get, just the weirder these things get, which I, it's, I just don't have great answers. But again, if it proves out that it's it's been a, some sort of primate or, or, or a relic hominid um, that we just haven't been able to find, I'm not going to be super surprised by that because um, we have lost a lot of our, our wood sense in a, in a way. Yeah, uh, we're loud. Just in a know, way. We're lousy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're loud and awkward and and clumsy, and uh, animals are not. And and for all reports of these things, they are absolutely not. They they move uh, very fluidly and quickly. Have you found in all of these articles any kind of correlations to anything? Like you've you mentioned, uh, which I'm going to get to. You got a chapter in the back here in your appendix about uh, strange light sightings uh, along those lines. But have you seen any correlations with patterns of any of this stuff? Like, have you seen uh, differences in population areas and correlations with the kinds of sightings? Uh, sparsely populated areas having less of a certain kind of sighting and more populated areas having more of another kind of sighting, for example. Um, in general, the, the more sparsely populated areas is where you're going to find these. And, for instance, you brought up Darby. Darby now, you'd never, I don't think you could ever find uh, a, a creature sighting in Darby. It's basically a part of Philadelphia, I believe now. Mm. Um, but at that time, you know, it, it was, uh, it was, you know, it's a different place then. Um, well, like, okay. Like this, so, were the smaller towns reporting like more humanoid type creatures and the larger towns reporting more ape like creatures for something like those lines? Oh, um, no, there's. I mean, not that I, you know, I didn't sit down and do any hard data on it, but but I didn't I didn't recognize that pattern so much. Of all of the stories in here, what are the craziest and strangest ones that stick out to you the most? Um, the the one where the boy shoots it. That's that's my favorite one. Um, the Samuel Bullock story. Uh, there is. One uh, about a wild woman who's riding a balance wheel, which is really wild. Um, I'm assuming that's some sort of, you know, I looked at balance wheels are, you know, usually machine shops and so forth. I'm imagining she's like on it like a barrel or something. It's just an odd detail (laughs) that supposedly she's she's on top of this balance wheel, but she she does get off and she supposedly... uh, breaks a, a horse's neck with one one swipe of her hand and then you know it goes on to describe this eight foot tall you know huge hairy woman with with long arms you know so, but it just has that really odd detail of that you know riding on a balance wheel it's just really strange you know i can't imagine where that came from you See, know when, when i heard when i read that i thought um 
a penny farthing. That's the first thing that came to my mind as a balance wheel. The big, huge bikes mm-hmm. with the giant wheel in the front. And that was like, okay, what's this thing doing out in the woods on that? Yeah, yeah. What's it, it, I believe it says she, yeah, she went to a machine shop and removed the balance wheel with perfect ease. So I just assumed Nuts. it was some part of the machinery in, in, a, uh, in a machine shop. But it could, who knows? I mean, and it's just so, either way, either way, it's just such a weird thing. There's a couple other ones that, that um, they seem to be wearing clothing, um, which, you know, I think you're, the skeptic's going to go immediately, well, it's a human. As soon as the clothing is human. But again, there, there are these weird modern reports here and there that pop up where, you know, someone will see one of these creatures and they'll say, you're not going to believe me, but it was, you know, it was wearing a plaid shirt, you know, torn up plaid shirt. Um, or the other idea with that I, I had was, uh, you know, we're dealing with the Victorian and Edwardian time periods, and it could have been that the reporter or their editor just, you know, kind of thought it was a little too risque to have a, a naked man or woman running around through the forest. So they just said, you know, like threw clothes on it even though that it wasn't reported as such. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I was, as I'm reading through and I'm going through and I'm waiting and with bated breath, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then all of a sudden there's the, Oh, it's Satan unchained. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> I, I, it surprised me that it took that long. It did take. Yeah. To get to that point. I expect I mean, being from new England, this place was crawling with Puritans. Satan was around every corner. Yeah, there's not a lot of mention of demons or anything like that in this either. That's, you know, everybody goes to more rational explanations of wild creatures or people. Well, you know, you know what? I would take a I would take a wolf man and a bear, and a dog man and giant Sasquatch over a description of it was the devil unchained any day. Yeah, I, and that again that happens currently. I'm, I'm in a bit of a a. Uh, frustrating point because there is an element of of the the bigfoot world that's uh determined to call these things demons of course and it's um but the of cain yeah 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 they're, they're nephilim or they're demons and they really want to try to just jam it into their their particular uh well you have no that offense, mythology yeah, belief system you have that throughout the paranormal world though you have that like i've got a buddy of mine who's convinced that no matter that all that that extraterrestrial I've met many people like this actually that convinced that extraterrestrials are just demons uh, oh, sure. yeah. yeah I mean a few months ago I was at a um, I was at some kind of a new age conference we talked about it briefly on here where this guy had a table set up and he was talking all about how the aliens were here because the Nazis had made a deal with Satan and Satan agreed to put it was just I mean just listening to the guy it was it was amazing it was just like wow this is incredible storytelling um but he really believed it you know but see you know That's the plot of Hellboy I think the Hellboy comics yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um yeah do you know Bendis what never mind um but he was really he was really into that and I've I've met many people that are like oh yeah these aren't these aren't these aren't extraterrestrials these are just demons and you hear that throughout the whole paranormal world that somebody's sure, always yeah. trying to throw that in there. And uh, yeah. like Lobo said, there's there's not a lot of that in this book. What I was surprised by, though, is the amount of female wild man sightings, which that makes no damn sense at all what I just said. Just roll with me, people. <laughs> the amount of female sightings in here, you don't. You don't have a lot of female Bigfoot sightings this day. It seems like you had a lot more in this book than we hear about now. I mean, you do hear occasionally about female Bigfoot, 
or big feet, whatever you want to call them. Um, man, I'm just batting a hundred tonight, but you, you do have a decent amount of female sightings in here. Uh, and they're all referred to, they never referred to as female gorilla. I don't think if it's female related, it's always wild woman or something along those lines. Yeah. They don't say a wild yeah. female gorilla was caught running through the woods. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the, as far as the gorilla sightings, they don't, yeah, they, I don't think any of the, uh, any of the gorillas are reported as being female. Um, yeah. The wild woman thing, there are, there have been some other books um, that have, you know, just dug up historical reports of these creatures and I don't believe I ever read a wild woman story in one of them. And I, I think it comes down to misogyny. I think they forgot to search for wild women. I think they searched for wild men and didn't even think to search for wild women. I, I, I really do. And <laughs> I'm just, a th- I'm so thorough. Like, like my, I've kind of laid this book out and I want to go on and do other regions, other States and so forth. And, and it's, you know, certainly someone else can see what I did and they can go and, and do their state. And, and that's fine. Um, if they beat me to it, that's, that's fine. But I, I really hope they're thorough. Cause that's, that's, I'm like really kind of obsessively thorough about it. And, uh, so if someone do- else does it, I, I really hope, you know, it's the information's free. It's public domain. Go ahead. But, uh, please be thorough. <laughs> How long did it take you to put this together? This one came together fairly quickly because I, I had probably, I'd run across most of these reports when I was looking for stuff for my first book, even, even if it didn't apply to the counties I was writing about, I threw it in a folder. So I had, uh, maybe, maybe a quarter to half of the stories already in a folder, uh, before, before I even really decided to do it. Cause you've got so a just, lot of stories in here. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different newspaper articles and so forth. I mean, did you get to a point where you're just like, all right, I'm tired of reading this stuff. It's all starting to look the same to me. You know, did did you reach that madness point at any point in here? It's more the the, the reading out the articles that, that are definitely, you know, like I said, there's 20 articles of that are definitely humans, no question about it. That you know, I, I threw in the trash can before I get to one that I thought like, okay, this this probably talks about a Bigfoot creature. So it was more just weeding through those, which is just, I mean, the, the time investment is is pretty incredible. But um, I I like doing research. I don't. I don't mind doing it. Uh, my eyes don't like it as much, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'll, I'll sit there and, and look at, uh, you know, if it's a, if it's an online, uh, archive, I'll sit there for hours and go through it and just be fascinated. And I'll find, you know, 10 articles that don't apply to what I'm looking for that, that'll interest me for one reason or another that'll, you know, I'll waste time, go down that rabbit hole for a while. But, uh, if it's microfilm, I'll, I'll dig into microfilm and, you know, because I live in Pennsylvania, I was able to hit historical societies and as well as the online archives and, and kind of really Do they really, know you really real well now? This. Like when you walk in, they're like, oh, what's up, Tim? <laughs> Are they very funny? I don't know if they know who I mean. Probably this, oh, is that weird guy with long hair is looking for Bigfoot, you know. It's, it's, it's maybe that. <laughs> so uh, I, look, I don't know if I'm that forgettable when, when uh, Gandalf walks through the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lobo, what were you going to say? I cut you off. I didn't mean to. If you get towards the back of the book uh, into the appendix section, there are two stories in particular that, that struck me. Because at that point, I mean, I was already all, all the way in, so I just kept reading. Uh, two things that came out of the Susquehanna that were 
made me scratch my head. One, the alligator, which, Mm -hmm. okay, I can understand maybe a displaced uh, crocodilia up here or closer to colder climates. But the walking fish man, what the, what is that? I have no clue. I mean, it, it, to me, it calls to mind like the, the Loveland Frogman thing yeah. from Ohio. But uh, I have no clue. It was just a weird thing I stumbled across. And, well, I'll throw it in, the, you know, put it in the appendix. Maybe maybe it'll lead to something. Maybe somebody will, somebody else will say, oh, I saw something like that. I just, it, I've, I've heard only a handful of like the creature from the Black Lagoon-like creatures mm-hmm. discussed. And when I came across that, I'm like, oh. That puts that in that very tiny pile of things I've read. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think I believe it said it didn't have any arms. So yeah. It walks, yeah, it walks up out of the Susquehanna without arms. It's uh, the and the alligator one. By the way, I'm I'm uh, I'm on a mission. I want to try to find that because it, it does say that a certain professor from um, oh, what's the Innsmouth? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Innsmouth. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, John Dalton? No, that's the guy. Uh, Doctor Corsier? Yeah, I think so. It, 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 anyway, he he had it stuffed apparently. So it's got to be around then. Yeah, I would think that somewhere that this thing is around. Like like somebody has it. Um, so it'd be really neat to find that. But yeah, because they talked oh, no. about some, someone having this pet alligator and they let it go or something. But it was small when they let it go, so it had to survive like more than one winter. Yeah, and what had that's cold, yeah, and that's bizarre. not. Alligators don't typically typically go into a tepor. They don't typically break down that far where they they go into their hibernation mode. So that that mm-hmm. in, in itself is intriguing. Yeah, it's very very interesting. Did you run across a lot of stories like that that just did not fit the mold for this book that you just kind of shoved aside and said we'll save this for later, or you know? Um, Pretty much what I found is in the appendixes, and and that's because I wasn't specifically looking for those type stories. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested in the river monster thing, but I doubt I'm ever going to write a book on it. So those were just, you know, for whatever reason, I'd turn up a, you know, a, a river monster story. So I just throw it aside and say, you know, I'll do it. I'll throw that in the appendix. When I do other states, I doubt I'm going to going to uh, put those type reports in, just because for me, you know, this Pennsylvania was a labor of love because I live here. Um, I mean, the other books would be too, but I'm going to stick to the the wild man and gorilla stuff. Uh, most obviously, a, Bigfoot stuff. A thing in here about somebody killing a dragon or something. I'm drawing a blank on that one. Oh, it's uh, the, the there's a there's like a winged Yeah, it says in here the uh, this snaky story. A particular snake or dragon was killed by Richard Roper. What a name for you, Richard Roper, okay. foreman of Star War Mine near Shade Gap, uh, this country a few days ago. The reptiles were credible incredibly informed was seven or eight inches long with a bluish color and had two legs three inches long and two feet two feet one inch long shaped like a human foot it was impossible to capture the strange creature alive as it showed uh fight and mr roper was obliged to kill it of course we were, we learned that the snake was photographed so that uh that doubting ones may have an opportunity to verify the truth of the snake story so Somebody basically found a winged snake of some kind and killed it, and there's supposedly a picture out there floating around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to see that photo. There's a there's another another out of the strange animals in the back, and it's uh, when I first when I read it, I I paused, and then I continued to read, and I went back to the beginning and read it over again. 
the it it describes the the footprint being left like a handprint oh, yeah. but smaller. Yeah. That mm-hmm. sounds like a chimp. <laughs> or a you know, a small monkey, like a um right. not a lemur. But for and, and it it was found it made the tracks and then there were the same prints found in dust wandering around. That in itself is creepy as hell. And they, I have a you know, however many years later, in my other book, I have a report of a, a lemur-like creature. I, I think it's from York County, mm-hmm. which, which you know is just this odd thing. Like, like, what is that? Like, you know, like someone looked out their window and saw this. Like, for the description, sounds like a lemur. You know, like climbing from tree to tree and and jumping from tree to tree. That's just so bizarre. I mean, we are. I believe we're the only large mass that doesn't have. A primate other than human beings wandering, a known primate other than human beings roaming around that are indigenous to the area. I mean, we have we have spider monkeys and gibbons and all kinds of stuff that were have been released as pets or have escaped from zoos or you know train accidents from circuses. But it's it's really bizarre when every once in a while something like that pops up and you're like, huh, that eh, was way before people were supposed to be owning exotic animals. What's that all about? Yeah, yeah, and, and something like that, I could, I could believe though, maybe, maybe escape from a menagerie or, or a zoo or something, and then, you know, if you didn't know what it was, you know, who, who knew what a lemur was in 1910 or whenever, you know, is they just see it and think, man, that's a weird animal, you know, what's it doing here? I love in the uh, back of the book how you have alternate names for Bigfoots, and one of them is Cookie Monster. <laughs> yeah, I forget where I came across that. That's one of the names that was in a modern, uh, modern Pennsylvania report. Uh, but, somewhat in these regions, they called it Cookie Monster for whatever reason. But in the in the seventies and and eighties, um, you know, the the theory was that Bigfoot lived in in Washington State and California and Canada, and we didn't have Bigfoot here. So they you'd, you'd find all these little weird kind of regional names. It's like like the the, the one example I get is that that uh, the Hodag, mm. where the guy says we we don't we don't have Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. These just this guys tell me it's like no we but we do have this big tall hairy thing that lives up in the mountains we call it a hodeck what's well, <laughs> a bigfoot then <laughs> yeah yeah well you do have that's wendigo funny. listed in here as well so mm-hmm. yeah how many stories yeah, did you a... come across listed as wendigo that was more just a you know i, I was just being a completist with the names and and some of the uh some of the native tribes that that referred to wendigos you know did didn't uh, roam into pennsylvania or, or have land in pennsylvania at times so I was just trying to be a completist there. The Micmacs. Hmm. The 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 Micmacs. What'd you say? The Micmacs and the Ab- and Abenakis were the ones that had the uh, that particular variation of Wendigo. So I guess it makes sense if they were they'd moved down into the uh, lower areas. Well, didn't every tribe in the United States? Well, not every tribe, but I think no, it was only upper of, upper well, north had uh, Wendigo. But that Cold stretch. Places. Yeah, I was gonna say that stretch from Michigan all the way across the northern states up into Canada, because Canada, uh, the Canadian Rockies and stuff, those are the, those are the primary areas for Wendigo sightings, I believe. I don't know. You're the Wendigo expert, so I guess I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, Micmac, Abenaki, uh, the, the uh, what? The Algonquin. Yep. Um, what are their names? I'm the Wendigo expert. No, not really. <laughs> I only did one episode on that. <laughs> you're the Wendigo freak. <laughs> Um, let me ask you this, Timothy. We're we're coming up on an hour here, so I'm going to let you go pretty quickly. But um, 
in your research for this, there's a lot of references, as we've stated numerous times, to uh, gorillas, ape-like creatures, and wild men and wild women. Um, how many times did you ever actually come across any news articles of a circus actually losing one of these animals? Or how often did these people actually escape from lunatic asylums? I know that's a two-part question, and it's complicated, so go ahead and take your time. <laughs> oh, no, that's really interesting. The, the gorilla thing is, is much easier to document. There were not many gorillas in the United States at the time of these articles. There were, in, in fact, at the time of the, the 1920 gorilla flap, there were no gorillas in the United States. The gorillas that were here, when, when they were here, were very famous. They were uh, reported on in, in, in the papers. You could find them. I know this from doing the searches. They were reported on like movie stars. There might have been one in the New York Zoo and you know one somewhere else uh, at, at times. So your average traveling circus or traveling menagerie did not have a mountain gorilla. They weren't there for them to escape. So the idea that there was a, a circus train wrecked and a gorilla got loose, this is something that people would come up with to try to explain it. That, um, how, you know, how are we seeing a gorilla in the woods of Pennsylvania? Oh, there must have been a circus train that wrecked in uh, Wilkes Bar or whatever. And you go to look for those wrecks and you can't find them. My, my wife's actually a, a pretty big uh, circus historian, so she, I can uh, go to her for that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Um, we may yeah. be bugging her. <laughs> her. Her knowledge is, uh, is, uh, is, is pretty, uh, in, in her areas of interest, it's, it's pretty deep. Uh, she's, she does, like, the sideshow stuff. She's really, really knowledgeable about that. Oh, you shouldn't have told us that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be bugging her. Yeah, we will absolutely fine. be bugging her for sure at some point. Uh, what about um, as far as, like, lunatics escaping from insane asylums and all that? Well, that's the thing. I, I go and, and and do the, the searches, and there are um, – they will mention sometimes. They'll say, like, here's a wild man. Somebody saw him, and uh, they think it's, uh, you know, Joe Smith who escaped from, uh, you know, an asylum in the next town over. And it turns out that uh, Joe Smith, you know, did escape from the next town over. But, um, you know, it's Joe Smith swinging from trees, you know, covered in hair now. <laughs> that's, you know – so – People did escape from Assam. I don't think they escaped anywhere near as much. It, it couldn't be. I, as I said in the, my one comment, the, the walls of the asylums looked like Swiss cheese for that man to escape. Um, it's just they were looking for explanations. They, oh, it must be an escape crazy person running around the woods. All right. So as as we're going through the book, and you, I start getting towards the end, and I'm intrigued by the other strange creatures in the book after sure. reading all about the Bigfoot. Do you plan on doing a book of just strange creatures or out-of-place sightings or news articles in the I future? Think, or I think I'm going to try to put together like just just another compilation of, of maybe not, like, like I said, maybe I'm probably not going to do a book devoted to, like say, river monsters or whatever. I, I might just do another collection of, of uh, just weird stories and weird sightings and so forth um, that I found uh, for Pennsylvania that, that have nothing to do with Bigfoot and Wildman. I, so I think that's an interesting book. Will it be the same size as this one? Asking for a friend? I, think <laughs> I, I could probably make a, to be honest, I can probably make a series out of it. I can probably oh, do sick. That would do be awesome. A, more, more than a, a few volumes, probably two or three volumes at least, I, I would think. How do I you have the time for all this research? How, how do you do this, man? Because it's like, like this, this book is so full of these stories. Like, 
I, 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 I would, you know, how, how do you do this? Plus you've got your podcast and I know you go on location and do location stuff. You make music. Do, do you clone yourself or <laughs> do you <laughs> sleep? <laughs> do you have a golem of yourself or what's the deal here? Not as much as I should sleep, but um, I'm just, I'm obsessed. I'm, obs- I'm an obsessive person. I'm, I'm a completist and uh, I just, I, re- I'm, I really like to try to be thorough and, and, uh, and I have ideas and, and um, I'm really, and this applies to my music and my artwork and everything I do. I, I'm very conscious of, of the limited amount of time I have on the planet. And uh, I try to apply what time I have in, in ways that uh, I, I don't even know if I'm trying to leave a legacy. I'm just, I, I want to make things. I like, I enjoy making things. It's like your podcast <laughs> so, is very well produced. It's you're not screwing around. I mean, you do a really good job on your production of it. And then, because it just seems like a little while ago, you came out with a book, the, uh, was it The Seven Gates, I believe it was? Beyond um, the Seventh Gate, yeah. Yeah, beyond the, seven, beyond the Seventh Gate. And then, poof, you pop up with this one. And Soraya, Soraya's like, hey, uh, Tim's got a book coming out. And I'm like, he just he was just on your show a few months ago for Beyond the Seventh Gate. And now he's got another book. And and by the way, he's got a podcast and he does shows and 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 I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. We we seem to be asking you a lot more about the back of the book and the appendices than about the book itself. I think that's because you go off into such random directions back here. You've got a section in here about strange mystery lights, like will o' the wisp kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, does any of those tie in to the wild man Bigfoot sightings in the book, or is that just something you just put in there just to add one more depth of weirdness to the book? Well, like I said, in Pennsylvania, and I say this jokingly, but only half jokingly, I, I usually tell people, give me a Bigfoot sighting in Pennsylvania, and I will find you a UFO sighting or a mystery light sighting in the same place relatively, you know, give or take a, a, a few miles and, and around the same time. And it's not always true, but it's 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 often true. I mean, it, a large percentage of the time, I can find uh, UFO or mystery light sightings around the same time people are seeing Bigfoot. I don't know what that means. I can only tell you that the conditions uh, and and Joshua gave me this line, so thanks to Joshua Cushion for this. The conditions that seem to be uh, favorable for Bigfoot creatures also seem to be favorable for these lights, whatever they are. That's the only thing I can tell you. I, I don't know that they're specifically related, but that's so, what made me look up these lights. I said, well, I want to look up these lights then and see if I can you know, just put the reports of them in it. And the first, it's either the first or the second report where they, it's a really brutal story about a, a, a girl who gets uh, dragged to her death from a carriage. There, if you, yeah, she gets wrapped up in the wheel a, or something like that, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. But there's a there's a line, little line in there where the the boy who jumped out of the carriage says he he thinks he saw something jump on the horse, and after they saw the will list, hmm. so maybe that's related to a creature. I, you know, I don't know. It's, but it, it really uh, piqued my interest. See, this is something that the quote unquote Bigfoot hunters really don't like to talk about. If you try to bring up to a Bigfoot hunter, well, you know, what about reports of people seeing UFOs? No, no, no. That's just. That's not that's not something, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas with yeah. a lot of UFO people, you could say, well, there was also reports of a, a Bigfoot kind of creature in regards to this UFO sighting. 
And you get about 50-50 with that group. You get about 50% saying, yeah, there's, there could be something. They'll try to tie it into like the extraterrestrial hypothesis in some strange way. Or you'll have the other mm-hmm. side of it where it's like, no, nah, we don't believe in Bigfoot, but we, do, we definitely believe that there's UFOs out there. And then you got to kind of right. us in the middle where we're kind of looking at the whole picture as a whole going, huh, that's kind of odd. Cause, um, yeah, when we're, it's all crazy, right? I mean, yeah. it's all crazy. Well, so you get one side pointing the finger at the other like, oh, well, UFOs are, you know, those are scientific, you know, little scientists from another planet. So that's perfectly reasonable. But those big hairy apes, that's you're just crazy. And then the, the Bigfoot people on the other side are, you know, well, we're. We're in camouflage and we're we're hunting a, a real animal that's out in the woods. So you know, but those you're crazy if you believe in UFOs. But you know, the only thing I can say is they're happening at the same time in the same place a lot. Well, Keel reported this stuff as well. Like in the Mothman Chronicles, Keel reports in there as he's talking about the Mothman. He's reporting people seeing strange lights and UFO like activity throughout the whole time period that that's happening. And it's kind of happening now with the same situation going on in Chicago with people reporting Mothman there. You're getting UFO reports all the time within the vicinity or within an hour or two of these Mothman sightings as well. A lot of these things seem to go hand in hand. It's like Josh said. You're correct. You know, Josh, Josh is one of those people that he equates a lot of this to fairy folklore and he ties a lot of it all together. I've been trying to do that for a long time, and I've even ran into this on that on this show where I ask people, you know, about well, what happens when these things inter- cross one another, or where, where these things interchange, and usually the conversation gets cold pretty quickly and doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm always one of these people that's like, well, these things could be intrinsically tied in some way, shape, or form, or something. Of course, we don't understand it, but I've run into a lot of roadblock with people once they get locked into a certain viewpoint. You know, they don't want to look past that viewpoint into other things. So, well, I mean, I've even been told by by people in the you know in the Bigfoot community, like we're out here trying to prove this thing exists, and you're going to talk about these lights. You're just making it harder for us. As well, I'm talking about the lights because people are reporting them at the same time in the same place. To me, you're missing a potential part of the the puzzle, and and they're just like, no, you're you're muddying the waters by throwing that in there. Like, well, the waters are pretty muddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a good yeah. question. What has your the reaction been to your book from Bigfoot people? Uh, in general, very positive, very positive. Because I, I I do take an agnostic position. You know, like I said, uh, I love witness reports, and I really, for the most part, just wanted to lay out a bunch of witness reports. Um, you know, these happen to be older witness reports, but, uh, nonetheless, that's, you know, that's what they are. The most of the people are, well, all the people in the book are, are dead and gone. So I couldn't go to them directly. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So the do, record you, is the newspaper. do you find people saying, oh yeah, that was definitely a Bigfoot or that was definitely a Bigfoot or that wasn't a Bigfoot. Do you, do you find people trying to wrap it into their belief system for as to what they're researching or do people just kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's useful. And you know, they kind of shrug about it. Um, in, in general, people are very receptive to it. I, I think no matter what their position is, um, because if we're talking about feral humans and you're interested in Bigfoot and there was a feral human population in Pennsylvania, you, you better kind of, you know, make note of that as, as well. So I think if, if people think in general, it wasn't, you know, not every report was a Bigfoot creature. Um, I think they're happy to, to, to have them. I mean, in general, it's just been very positive across the board. Um, some people I've, I've seen some reviews it's like, oh, most of it's just, you know, junk folklore stories or whatever, which by the way, I don't consider any folklore junk, but, uh, you know, exaggerations and tall tales and so forth. But for the most part, people have been, you know, pretty accepting of it, uh, you know, as it is. Well, it is you can read into it. 
if, if you want to believe it's a gorilla in the woods, these articles aren't going to confirm that for you. Yeah. If you want to believe it's something else, you know, these articles aren't going to change your mind on that either. It is a fairly dry read, but it is a great source book for reference material to go and, and find things like this. You know, it's not if you're going to sit down and try to read this book as a book like Lobo, I, I didn't read the whole thing all the way through. I scoured through it and found interesting stories here and there that I found, you know, made notes of them as interest. My man Lobo here read every damn story in the book. <laughs> oh, for, see, for me, I, I can go back and, and, you know, I typed it out. Yeah. And I can go back and read it again and again because I'm I'm just obsessively interested about this stuff. I just you know it's just uh, again it's for me those witness reports are, are just so interesting. Oh no, it's not. Well, it's I'm just letting people know if they go to buy this book thinking it's going to be something they could sit and read as a book. There's parts of it you can, but for the most part, it's it's a great source for reference material. It, it's one of I, it, this is going to sound bad, but it, it's a great bathroom reading book because you can sit down and read a small section of it while you do what you got to do and then come back and pick up another section and read another part of it and, and just skim through it. You don't have to read it from cover to cover for the most part. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I mean, compared to, compared to the research papers that I read, this was riveting. <laughs> I, I, I slogged through some really horrible peer reviewed research papers and I'm like, please take my eyes out. This was a, this was, this was refreshing. <laughs> What was the one that I posted recently? Somebody ran a, a peer-reviewed article about Star Wars metachlorines and the Force. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it made, made it through. It was a complete shit article, but it made it through. <laughs> Did oh, you yeah, hear about it got that? published in a medical journal, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. about metachlorines oh, yeah. and how they affect people who's being able to use the Force. And the guy sure. did it totally as a farce. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, what do you got next, Tim? What's, what's in the works? Um, I'm really digging in on the podcast, so strangefamiliars.com, if anybody, uh, and that's a great place to reach me in general. I have links to everything there. Um, I am writing more. I'll, I'll have a, a story in the next volume of Wood Knox, which is from, uh, that's David Weatherly's, uh, Leprechaun Press. Um, that I think volume three, I should have a story in that, but, uh, I'm writing more. I, I have, a about four or five books I want to write, but this, uh, this I'm not sort surprised of, uh, at all. <laughs> this wild man gorilla thing is, is, uh, it, the universe has told me to kind of stick with it. So I'm going to, going to plow on and, and I'll do other, uh, I don't think I'll be able to do one for every state, unfortunately, but I'll do other regions, you know, maybe, uh, hit one for, uh, you know, I don't know, have to combine three states or something. New England. Sure. Do New England. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there for sure. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find a decent amount about Mich- uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois as well. Those three states are, are three states kind of entwined up here as far as, uh, well, the Dogman legend up here. I'm sure you're going to find tons of Dogman and werewolf sightings around these areas. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, if, and I've got a book I'm, I'm illustrating as well that, that uh, I'm just doing the illustrations for. That, that Hopefully I'll have time to do that. That might be the next thing. So where can people find your books? All the usual places, Amazon. Is there a way they can buy them directly from you if they wanted to? If they, Yeah, if they want to just contact me through strangefamiliars.com. If they want to get signed copies, they can get them there. Amazon's great. You know, the, the split for uh, independent authors, is at least for my books, is, is very fair. I know people people are very nice and they want to, you know, they want to get it from the, the best place uh, for the author, which is a super nice thing to do. But... For me, Amazon's very fair. The, the split's very fair. I don't have to mail a book out, and I know a lot of people have Prime, so uh, I certainly understand. You know, if, if they want to do that, um, that, that's fine with me. 
Yeah, full disclosure, that's where I... Because usually what happens when somebody sends us a book and they come on the show, I'll try to go on Amazon and purchase a book for Lobo because he lives not by me, so I have to get him a book as, you know, oftentimes so he's familiar with it before the guest comes on the show. And that's where I bought the other copy of the book from. So, <laughs> but it, it was, you know, it wasn't horribly priced. It was, it was a good for, for the information that's in. It, I, I judge books based on how much am I paying for the amount of information I am getting for this book. That's where my cost, cost to information value comes from. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a decent price for what you got in here. Again, it's a, it's, it's a great reference book for a part of this topic that is never really dealt with or covered. And that's what I really like about it. You have such a very unique and individual take on it. It's not the stereotypical Bigfoot stories or the Bigfoot stuff that's already out there in droves. You have very interesting information on here from a point of view that it hasn't been done yet. So if somebody is a Bigfoot purist, I do recommend that they get this book, if anything, just to see how people viewed these sightings back then. You know, because I have this feeling that at least I did up until this point where people think of Bigfoot, you know, from the Patterson Gimlin film on, you know, (laughs) or, you know, Indian folklore or something like that. And uh, I had never really seen a book covering the way that you did on this. So it's, you know, I I really recommend it. If you're a Bigfoot person, go out and pick this book up. It's worth having. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think that's it. Lobo, you got anything you want to throw in here? uh... I'm all set. It was a great read. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you liked it. Again, I highly recommend that people go out and find your podcast, Strange Familiars. They, familiars. The Man, I must be stroking out tonight. I can't talk for shit. But, uh, <laughs> tonight? Yeah, exactly. But if like if people that already listen to Where Did the Road Go, we have a lot of mutual listeners there, so those people, I'm sure, are very aware of your show. Um, if you don't want to go out and find it, you can just subscribe to Where Did the Road Go, and I, I think Soraya reruns your episodes on his network. If not, they can find you at your website and listen to you there. Um, yeah. I really, really like your show. I really like what you do. I love the vibe of it. I think what you do is really cool, and it's it's cool to have you out there. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming on the show, man. We appreciate it. Oh, happy to do it anytime. We all have questions. What happens after we die? Is Bigfoot real? Is my government hiding aliens from us? We all have stories. Join experienced paranormal investigators J.P. Doyle. They need to make this where there's a hole on the top for your penis. John Gonzalez. <laughs> Same, but my ass is brown. And Roman Avia. Got some underage pictures of me. <laughs> <laughs> While we talk all things paranormal with just a pinch of humor, find our show, The Just Paranormal Podcast, on all major podcast outlets. And be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. 
maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week. By subscribing, find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. So that with Timothy, I did just see a picture of him online and he is the long... His picture's in the back of the book. No, it's not, is it? The very last page. I'm looking at the very last page. About the author. Oh, you know what? I, I didn't see that book. You know why? Because I've got two bookmarkers back there, and it never occurred uh, to me to look at the very last page of the book. He does look like the He same belongs thing. on a Led Zeppelin cover. He does. He also belongs on the side of a 1970s van, you know, the wizard painting with the staff. Yeah, and the chick sure, absolutely. Longingly reaching up the wizard's thighs, like looking at it. No, whoa, wait, that's whoa, the barbarian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, the other yeah. one. The bar- Okay, the wizard is the one that's like sitting there, you know, doing the wizard thing. The barbarian is the one where it's got the chick longingly oh, stirring up his leg. Hold on a second. He's not in a Boris painting. We're good. <laughs> no, but I mean, this, I mean, he, he, like if I were to see this guy walk in, I would, I, you know, I would want to hear Led Zeppelin, I mean, uh, Black Sabbath, the wizard playing in the background. Sure. <laughs> Like Kutchin when he comes on, we want to hear fairies wear boots. We need to get Kutch back on. He's cool. Absolutely. Kutch, if you're out there, man, bug me. Bug me to come back on the show. Because we didn't we never we never had him on here for his last book, which was The Brimstone Deceit. All about smells and strange things like that. And I think he's moved on and well into his next book project. But the reason I didn't get him on is because everybody had him on. And I was like, well, I don't want to have him on because everybody else has got him on now. But by the same token, Kutch has become this big, huge researcher in the field, and he's well respected. And like, he's yeah, a rock star. Yeah, he's a rock star. But we kind know the of guy. a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. So, Kutch, if you're out there and you hear this, bug me, man. We need to get you back on here. Just, just, just hang out and talk and shoot the shit. For the most yeah, part. Yeah, right. So, all the stuff that we were going to talk about at the end of the show, we talked about at the beginning of the show because my brain stroked out. So, <laughs> my brain stroked out. Okay. Having said all of that, um, I really want to thank the Patreons for supporting us, as we always do at the beginning of the month or what have you. Um, again, if if there's something out there that you guys want to hear, you know, if there's an old episode that, you know, let me know. I'll see if I can post it up as a best of for the most part. Because I wasn't, the, the best of that we've been posting, I really didn't think people would be that interested in. And they're like, yeah, you know, I want to hear that again. Or I've never heard that one before. And I'm surprised by how many new people that we've picked up because our download numbers look flat, but we do have new people that are coming in here. And some people aren't even, you know, they're not downloading. They're just listening off the website or they're getting off of Stitcher. And I completely forget that we're still on Stitcher. It just never crosses my mind that, oh, yeah, that's another way that people can get us. And we do have a fairly large amount of listeners that are listening to us on the Stitcher app that I, sorry, guys, I've just completely forgotten about you because once we move over the new server, I see the numbers that are over there. So anyways... Um, yes, I am babbling because I mm-hmm. haven't had much sleep today. Mm-mm. Fingers crossed. All goes well. Next week will be a fun show. It'll be the fast food episode. Hilarity will ensue. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen with it as we always are because the amount of fast food related stories that I have to cover is way more than we're going to have the time to be able to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and as always, putting those shows together, they're a lot of fun, but they're a lot of work. So. <laughs> Mm. For us, we might be recording for a couple of hours. Who knows? Oh, great. Uh, Otherwise, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you people again. This is Rojan. Peace out from the D. 
This is Lobo from Connecticut. Newts have tetrodotoxin. What? Newts tetrodotoxin? <laughs> yeah, the same toxin that is Say in that word again. Tetrodotoxin. That's not the way you said it the first time. Yeah, I know. It was a bit of a skip. You're like, tetrodotoxin. I was drunk. You're so high. Whoa. All right, folks. Peace. Bye-bye. I don't know. Now, now.